0: Good to see you all, and it's great to be together. Um, So encouraged to see people from all of the congregations that make up Hills Baptist being part of this, young and old. Um, Wonderful. Really, really good. Mark told you a little bit about me, um, and I'm glad uh, that he didn't mention too many things about me because I actually read the introductory stuff, and I thought, who is this bloke who's supposed to be... (laughs) I kind of don't know him, Um, but nonetheless, it is a privilege and an honour to be here and to share with you all. Just a little bit about myself, my wife, Heather, sitting over here. Um, She's been my rock-solid support for a long, long time, Uh, not only in ministry but in life in general. We have uh, nearly a number of years of marriage. how many do you reckon? But don't, no, no, don't, don't go there. Yeah, except I can say next year will be a very big celebration, so that's all good. We have five children and uh, nine grandchildren. We've ministered in uh, four, no, five separate locations, I think. I started way back in 1979 when I went to Theo College as associate pastor at Morphville Baptist Church back in from 80, then we went to Mount Barker in, at the end of 81, end of 81 and started in 82. And then we went, we did uh, 10 years there and then 11, nearly about 10 and a half years in Mount Gambier and then 14 and a half years in, Mount, in uh, Tasmania, church in Hobart. It was it eventually become a multi-sided church, three congregations and... Uh, Then sort of semi-retired, still working for Tasmanian Baptists, and looking after a little church called Riverlands in a place called Longford. Anybody know Longford? Hallelujah. You are blessed amongst all people in this room tonight. Longford is a fantastic place. And now we've retired and come back to be with our family. So that's a little bit about us. You can ask questions as much as you want to when we've got the time. Now... What I want to do tonight is that basically this is an introductory night, okay? So I want to set a bit of agenda stuff to start with. Is that all right? Um, And I want to encourage you, all right? Uh, Who knows this is not a university lecture? (laughs) That should have every hand up in the air. Yes, I agree. There's a reason for that. I'm not a university lecturer, all right? So... The reason I'm saying that is I want you to relax and just enjoy the time and I want us to have some fun together. Now, I know we're we're going to be talking about one of the greatest things that any human being can talk about in a way, apart from our relationship with Jesus, just the fact we've got God's word in our hands. There are probably two billion Christians or Christ followers in the world as we sit here. Not every one of those people have a Bible. bit of a salutary thing to think about. But nonetheless, we are so privileged, yes? Um, I've lost count of the number of Bibles I've had over the years, but we'll come to that at another place. All I'm simply saying is we are, uh, we are wonderfully, wonderfully privileged to have a Bible in our hands. However, uh, having said that, I want this time to be your time. It's not my time. I'm happy to be here. I'm more of going to be more a facilitator, than I am, I'm not going to teach, teach, teach. Because actually the thing is, as I understand this, and the mark's probably gone now, but it's uh, discipleship's the agenda for this, is that right? We talk about going deeper, um, which is a good good concept to deepen, and, if you like, or broaden uh, our faith, our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus in life and to live not only for him, but actually to let him live in us. Hmm? Right? You'll get used to me after a while, so... If, if you don't understand anything, that's fine, just say so. Uh, you won't offend me, ask questions. But what I want to do is, 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 is that we're going to come to grips more with the scripture and it will deepen our lives as those who follow Jesus and help us to live in a world which frankly is a hostile environment to Christian spirituality and discipleship. However, you are not alone in that. Because that is exactly where the first followers of Jesus were. Right? And that is exactly where the first century church was planted in the same kind of hostile environment that we find ourselves in today. And you've got to remember those guys, when they started off, only had people walking around reading scriptures to them. The scrolls were still in the the synagogues locked away. Weren't in little convenient forms like you and I have, they were, had to be taken out and read and memorised. So here we are in this wonderful place, okay? And uh, I trust that you'll go away from the time uh, being encouraged and built up in your most holy faith. I also want to say this right at the beginning. When it comes to reading and understanding your Bible and understanding all of the theology that goes with that, which, whatever you want to take by that statement. One of the things that I've seen over the years many, many times is, is there is so much guilt attached to reading your scriptures, prayer, and another one that goes with it actually is evangelism. Anybody ever felt guilty that you didn't read your Bible? So Put up your hands. You know what I mean? And somebody else is, well, they're doing a great job. You know, They read it every day. I only get to read mine once. Boy, when was the last time I read the Bible? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? You're looking a bit blank. Let's well, suppose we're probably a little bit, oh, where's this bloke? Where's he going with this? I think sometimes there's a lot of expectation put on us by other people in terms of what we should do and how we should approach reading and understanding the Bible and all that it talks about and so forth. I think sometimes we can turn what should be a delight into a chore. Sometimes we find it difficult to work out the difference between discipline and what that actually means and doing something because we're absolutely thrilled and we want to versus sometimes just doing it because we need to. You got what I'm saying there? But what I want to get rid of, I'm not saying we've got, we live this. You you guys might be all good. You say, look, move on, move on. That's all good for us. I never get guilty about not reading my Bible or not praying. I'm cool. Well, if you are, that's great. But if you are one of those people um, that that, um, finds it difficult at times, then I hope that this time together will do much to alleviate that. Because I don't think guilt ever produces anything worthwhile you hear that? I actually don't think guilt ever produces anything worthwhile I know lots of stuff can get done because legalism can creep into our lives and things like that but I don't think it produces much of any lasting value but having said that this is not to say that we cannot be serious and considered and thoughtful and deepened by our our reading and study because that's what we're wanting to do we want to go deeper with the Lord Jesus. We want to go deeper with God's word, true? We want to have a better understanding. What we don't want to do is arrive in heaven and Habakkuk walks up to us and he says, Did you read my book? And we say, Where was that? We don't want that, do we? We want to at least to be able to say, Yeah, I did I did get to your book once, Habakkuk, and it was such a challenge I decided I'd never read it again. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? So I expect too that, that in, in, in our own study, talking together and sharing, we will, we will deepen our lives and we can be very serious and very considered. Uh, but there's also amongst us what I would recognise is everybody's in a different place. The number of times I've read the Bible and the number of times you've read it are two different things and that's perfectly okay, isn't it? Yeah? because you don't know how many times I've read the Bible. I may never have read it. <laughs> Somebody got that. <laughs> so some of, us are, some of us are veterans, yeah? And uh, I don't expect you to tell me, but just come and tell me if you've got a degree in theology or something, will you say? So, anyway, that doesn't matter. Others are beginners. Uh, some of you might be brand new Christians and you're just beginning to open this this book, incidentally, mine's a red cover. Anybody got a red cover? That's good. This is the holy one. If you've got black ones, they're not holy. All right. So you've got, you've got that sort of thing. Some are beginners. Some read the Bible every day of their lives. I guarantee there are some people in this room who never miss reading a portion of the scripture. But for others, that's not possible. And it's, it's not easy to do that. Uh, some may read the scriptures once a week or once a month. Some read great slabs of it and others just take a verse I remember old Jeff Bingham saying years ago he had a student in college who meditated on one verse in the Psalms for a year how about that I also heard of a preacher once who preached on the Song of Solomon for 30 years they dismissed (laughs) him from ministry because they said he had an imbalance (laughs) what I do want to avoid in this is comparisons, you know some Christians are better than other Christians type of stuff My position on that is that the cross is level ground. There is absolutely no difference between any one of us because of Jesus' death for us. Okay, you agree? And it's sad sometimes that um, we come to the Lord with a great flush of faith and it's exciting and we discover the Holy Spirit is alive in our lives and then... Quite often the guilt trips come. Oh, you've got to do this to be a good Christian. or You've got to do that. You must do... You know what I mean? Or have we move past that? Sometimes we don't. And sometimes we don't talk about it. And uh, I'm hoping we flush that stuff out and say, no, no, we've got God's word. What a treasure that is. Let God speak to us. Okay? You with me? All right. So no pressure here at all. But just uh, setting the scene a bit... An invitation, really, for each one of us to enter in and plug in at the place you're comfortable to uh, to do that. My aim is to encourage. Uh, I want to teach a bit, yes, but I want to encourage you in your growth walk with the Lord. uh, Rekindle a bit of a desire. I'm absolutely uh, absolutely, um, rapt, the old expression, to see so many of you out here. You've you've given given up a night of your week. You've given up some time with your families. Uh, whatever, whatever is going on, just to say, you know, God and his word is really important to me. So, well done. Say well done to somebody. All right. Who didn't get a well done? If you didn't get a well done and feeling lonely, put your hand up. All right. Say well done. Okay. And so um, if we can rekindle a desire for the scripture in your life, if you need that, a bit of encouragement, I think you get my drift on this, then that'll be good. There are a couple of other matters just quickly. I am also aware of Goldilocks. All right? I cannot guarantee to meet all the needs of all the different people in this room. You know the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. Who doesn't know that story? Good because I don't. So, um, <laughs> what we are going to talk about is Goldilocks, and I can't do. I can't be a Goldilocks. So I cannot guarantee that for some of you, you might say he's not going deep enough, and others of you might say um, he's so deep I can't understand a thing he says. Right? And others of you say you're just right. Well, I can't guarantee that the porridge is just right. I'll do my best. All right? Some of you will have answers to the questions that I can't answer and I hope that the room finds that out amongst uh, as we work together. But I have to be honest about this. I've never been a big fan of the teacher tell method of of discovering things. As much as uh, at times we we absolutely need teachers at times for sure in, in life but sometimes you've got to take the saw from your dad's hand and cut that piece of wood crooked because you don't learn to cut it straight until you have a go. So, do you, do you get my drift in this? So I can teach and I can fill up the next 90 minutes easy. Don't worry about that. But you'll be very sad if it goes that way. And you might also, also have questions, and can I ask, encourage you to, to ask those questions? So here it is. It's a privilege for me, and I'm honoured. Thank you for that. Now let me just set uh, practical things. Each evening we're going to begin with a song or two before 7.30. That's the deal, that's the aim. And I want to start and finish on time. 90 minutes is uh, too much in one go, so you're not going to be getting 90 minutes from me just talk, talk, talk all night long. Nobody could, uh, could bear that, um, Like least of all me. So we're going to have a short break in the middle and uh, for a cup of tea and coffee whatever you want, and then we'll finish. If it's 9 o'clock, if somebody's talking, I'll cut you off and say, good night, everybody, God bless, go home. <laughs> um, if it's me, then you can say to me, shut up, John, we want to go home, all right? So 9 o'clock, we're out, because you guys have got to go to work tomorrow, don't you? Yeah. But I don't, I'm retired, hallelujah. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. I do have, I do have a, a men's study group to go to tomorrow morning, so 9 o'clock's the deal. Okay, have we got the PowerPoint thing there? How do I work this, brothers? The one on the right? Is that it? Oh, good. You, can, uh, you don't have to write anything about this just for the moment. I just want to tell you a story. It's really the story of my engagement with God's holy word. And as I'm sharing my little bit, I'd, I'd love for you to think about your engagement as a human being with the almighty God who gives us his written word of the most important things that we need to know as humans, right? Yep. So listen with one ear or two ears, whatever it is, and be thinking about your own story. As, as best I can recall, well, I, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian-based home, a Christian home, mum and dad were both um, full-on for, for God, uh, Anglican uh, way in which our faith was expressed and grew up in that sort of environment. Um, but I, I recall that I probably was about six or seven when I got to own my first Bible. I remember it. I can't tell you that I read much of it, but I, my godmother, Baptists don't have godmothers, but they exist in other places, my godmother gave me some money, and somehow or another, I got urged to buy, buy a Bible. So, when the British and Foreign Bible Society came to our little town, they held a night meeting, and I went along with mum and dad and I bought, bought my first Bible. I still remember the thing. It smelt really funny. Um, I don't know why it smelt funny. Other books didn't smell funny, but that Bible smelt funny. It had lots of pictures in it and all that sort of thing. That was my first encounter with the Bible. And my memories of church life in the Bible went something like this. Uh, you went to church, but you didn't take a Bible, you took a prayer book. If you had owned a prayer book, or well, there were prayer books there. That's how we did church. Um, and if you think you have long services, you've never had a long service. Our services, I don't know why they were, sometimes they went over two hours. And a lot of that time was on your knees which one time I went off at my mother about that and she said to me, John, if you don't have time two hours of a week to worship God, there's something wrong with you. I preached a sermon about that once. It got stuck in my mind. Anyway, that's incidental. So that's how we went to to church. There was not much connection at all between going along and going through the worship procedures and the liturgy, which was when I look back in later years, there was some grand stuff in there. But there wasn't much connection between what we did there, the Bible, and how we actually lived out the rest of our weeks and days and lives. But we had we had Bibles. And there was a Bible at home, um, and all that sort of stuff. Now this is just my story. You thinking about your story, okay? Just keep thinking about it. The Bible didn't kind of connect up in terms of anything in a way. But we probably heard sermons and stuff. Um, But there was more an expectation in church life of somehow or another you'd be good and you'd live a good life and not cause anyone too much trouble, which in my case was never ever going to work. There was no real instruction on how to become a Christian or what you were supposed to do, uh, how you became and went on being a Christian and a follower of Jesus. Now listen, just for the sake of the tape, because I know it's being recorded, this is not a criticism ...of the church that I grew up in or the denomination. It was just how it was for me. This is my story. Are you with me? Do you understand? It could be a person of any background saying their particular story. That's just how it was. Just how it was. A church was... Uh, all the men wore suits and lots of ladies wore hats as well... ...and other pieces of attire. You had your everyday clothes and you put on your Sunday best. That's why it was... The Bible was there, it was only in a King James Version mainly, although probably the Phillips New English was just creeping in and there might have been one or two other translations. But the King James Version was the one, which was a bit strange because we didn't speak in these and thous at home. You ever notice that? (laughs) I have yet to see somebody go to McDonald's and say, I will have us one thou hamburgerist please doesn't work like that, does it? We don't talk like that. But that's what we were reading. And it kind of put the Bible in a different place, I guess. Well, when I uh, got a bit later in life, at 14 I was converted. But there wasn't much discipleship stuff that followed that, um, that, that uh, happening in my life, which I won't go into for sake of time. Once again, the essence of discipleship was very little connection with the scriptures and just basically an encouragement to be well moraled. That's not very easy when you're 14. Hmm? Boy or girl. When I was in my late 25th year, nearly 26, God got hold of me. He'd gotten hold of Heather in a big way just prior to this, and because of her radical conversion to Christianity and her absolute allegiance to Jesus and her determination to say to me, you've got to get this sorted out, something happened in my life. And God got hold of me, and I had an encounter with the living God like I'd never had ever in my life. And he filled me with his spirit from head to toe with great waves of holy love. So much so that I couldn't contain what God was doing with me. So much so that the people in the room couldn't contain that either. This is just my story, not yours, this is just mine. So much so that after that particular event, I remember Heather and I and a couple of fellows with me sitting in that room front room of a house we were renting actually and there was this holy glow transcendent light in the room and I was a totally changed person totally changed then something quite amazing happened you don't think that you learn much with the little bits and pieces that go on in life, yeah? But you actually learn a lot. Because even in all those years, the Bible being over there, and sort of not related to me in a way, there were stories and events and happenings that that were infiltrating, yeah? And after that event where God got hold of me, suddenly this old black book which actually had lost my first copy and I think Heather went out and bought me a new one. Suddenly it came alive. Suddenly I couldn't read enough of that book. Suddenly it was with me every day of my life where I was in earth moving at the time. It was in the truck, it was with me on the machines. When we stopped for lunch, it was in my lunchbox and I was eating the word as well as pork sandwiches or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Suddenly there was this transformation and the Bible now, I, there were things in that, man, I'd never seen that before. This just wasn't a story on the page, this was now alive, yeah? You know what I'm talking about? Suddenly you know that this is God speaking to you. Oh, yeah, well, there's some things I didn't understand, like my, one of my lecturers in college said on one occasion, it's not the things that I don't understand in the Bible that trouble me, it's the things that I actually do understand. So suddenly you're being confronted with God and his word and his way for your life and began to see what God was on about. And since that time, to cut my story short so you can share yours, there's been that desire just to have a Bible as my close companion. What's your story? What's your story? Have You got one? You got one of this book? God's word to you? Because we all kind of need it, yeah? My story is different. Don't worry about my story. I've just told you my story. I want you now to talk about your story. Now, are you going to go with me on this for a moment or two? If you really find sharing stuff around a table a distraction or painful, I actually understand that, all right? But if you can enter in, that's good. Okay? So if you're really, really uncomfortable, come and talk to me in the break or whatever and say, look, I really find that painful. That's fine. I get that. But if you're able to share roundtables, we've got a little bit of stuff to do together. Everybody okay with what I'm saying there? Mm -hmm. Cool. (laughs) Because I know, you you may look at me and say, oh, yeah, he's super confident and all that, but you'd be absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. I, I'm in the middle of a family of five kids. Um, I was always the one that never said much. I, had, I was getting pushed from below and pushed from the top. So I never said much. I was always the last to speak up and say things. So I know what it feels like to be bitter bit uncomfortable at this point. I hope by the end of our five or six weeks together you feel real comfortable, yeah? Okay. So we're going to stop in about uh, ten minutes. So if, uh, take the next ten minutes of your time... Just if you want to, you don't have to, but if you want to, say a little bit about your journey with the Bible. Now, I'm not asking you to talk about your current situation, how you read it or what you do with it or where you study it or anything like that. Just how it came into your life. Do you, you, you with me? Can everybody say amen? Amen. Okay, go. At 25 past, we're going to stop for a cup of tea. Away you go. So just take time around the table. <coughs> and here's the deal, guys. If anybody monopolizes, monopolizes the conversation, just say, "Be quiet." Somebody else has got to talk. All right. There well, you go. All right. How are those stories going? They're good. I. You probably. You're, you're probably just uh, halfway through each table. So here's what I'm going to suggest because we're going to run out of time tonight and you are going to go home at nine o'clock, all right? So we're not going to get all through the stuff that I've prepared, so that's okay, we'll we'll cope. But just to maximise a bit of time, how about we start with the tables in order? Go get your cup of tea, come back, all right? So you can keep on talking, keep on talking your stories. We start on... Because my wife's on the first table over here. They can go first, all right? Give me a clap. Come on. Come on. I did good. So just work your way across the tables. Grab your cup of tea. Come back to the table. But keep talking your stories until we tell everybody's got their cup, all right? Way you go. Okay. Just while people are getting their final tea and coffee, if I can just have the room to come to quiet, really appreciate it. And just while we're doing that, what I'd like you to do now, just very briefly, this is your own personal thing, space on your notes there, just write down for yourself what you're hoping to get out of this time that we're spending together, this course, over the next few weeks. You don't have to show it to anybody, you can show it to yourself, you can change it next week if you want to, but um, what what are you hoping God will do with your life over the next few weeks in relation to his word and your interaction with it? And that'll give people a chance to get their final cups of tea and stuff. Just write it down, you don't have to show anybody, you can if you want to, but you don't have to, it's just for you, it might be something you take away into your quiet time or whatever just something between you and God that's really great you're doing really well you know what I reckon I just heard a few moments ago there's there's things I love to hear in church life one is worship another is the sound of God's people I reckon heaven's going to be great love hearing big prayer meetings where people just lose it for God, yeah? You ever been in those things? I reckon I just heard a moment ago that you haven't been asked to tell your story very often. And somebody says, tell your story. There's an evangelistic principle in there that's mind-blowing. You and your story. doesn't matter what other people's story is, right? It's your story. In this particular case, we've narrowed the focus to the Bible and its intersection with your life and how you live it and all that stuff. But your story is so powerful and I want to encourage you in telling your story. And sometimes when we get permission, somebody says, hey, tell your story. Because actually you're going to find that the Bible is actually a huge meta narrative of God talking to his creation and in particular, those he made in his image. Story is incredibly powerful. So look at somebody sitting next to you and say, tell your story, will you, mate? Where you go. <laughs> tell your story, will you, mate? <laughs> now, as you can see... I'm very good at getting the room to go, now you've got to come down, all right? <laughs> okay, we're going to do something in the next 20 minutes very quickly that probably would, has been scheduled for about 40 minutes. So I'm going to skate, I'm going to go fairly quickly. Uh, but the first thing I want to talk about uh, for this time are the resources that you find on the table with you. Uh, if, do you uh, Rebecca, would you mind holding up that book, How to Study?, that's a book by Geoffrey Bingham. It's a little bit dated, but it, it's really, really good stuff. Now, second hand up. How many haven't got a copy of this book? Okay, where's, can somebody count the hands? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Okay, we'll do another 20 copies off for you, okay? The notes um, uh, by Geoffrey Bingham are great. Uh, we have freedom to use them. New Creation Teaching Ministries has uh, said we can use them. Uh, now, there's another set of notes that um, Peter Nickel, one of the former pastors of Allgate Baptist Church, put together a few years back. Everybody got a copy of Search the Scriptures? Yep, all got that? Okay, these are, these are really, really good, excellent notes on, on what we're going to be talking about. They're detailed, they're very thorough. Peter was always like that. Uh, he hasn't put his name on them, but it's Peter Nicholl's notes. He didn't want it. I was talking with him yesterday. But these are really good notes. And we'll, Peter Nicholl? No, where are they? They should be on the table with you. They should be a search the scriptures. If copy, I can print some more for next week. How many will yeah. Right. We need 12 of the, of the others, Anne, and... Okay. All right. We'll, we'll put on another 20. Okay. Well, here's the good news for those people that haven't got a copy. You won't be able to read them up ready for next week, so you don't get any homework. But the rest of you... <laughs> the rest of you... <laughs> here's the deal. You don't have to do anything, by the way. I don't, don't, won't worry me if you do or don't. But, having said that, good old Australian, but... Having said that, if you have time to read at least those notes or start to engage with the ones from Peter Nichol, that would be really, really good. If you have time to to go through the others, that's fine. Take your time. I'm not asking you to rush, but if you have time to start looking at these, that would be great. If you can share a copy to help till we get enough copies to you all, that would be good as well. The only other thing we could possibly do is have them available for Sunday morning, and people could pick them up from church we'll see how we go, Anne and I will work that Sorry. by the way, give Anne and April a big hand their work's incredible <laughs> now I've put on the notes some other resources that are worth your consideration there's a great book called How to Read the Bible for all it's, uh, for all it's worth I've had this book for years and years and years, Koorong have got copies at the moment Here's a piece of paper um, for two books. Just pass it around the tables. If you're interested in getting a copy, a paperback copy, if you want an electronic copy, you can get your own. You know how to do that, don't you? Amazon, I think, is a little bit cheaper, 4 or $5 cheaper than the paperback. We know that Coorong have 25 copies in stock at the moment, so um, we'll buy the shop out if you tell us if you want a copy. All right. So, we'll pass that around. Just just put a put a, put your name down if you want a copy. We can't guarantee it. We'll do our best. All right? Is that okay? Everybody said oh, I'm happy with that. Good. So, how to read the Bible for all it's worth is a great. Uh, we'll use some of this. We'll talk. Uh, for instance, if we're, when we get to talk about how you understand and interpret parables. Uh, Great section in this book about that. So we'll we'll use some of that material, okay? This book's more of an introductory thing. You probably could get something along the lines in a a study Bible where at the beginning of each book it'll give you an introductory comment to the book, what it's about, its history and all of that. But this is much more detailed and and very helpful, very easy, uh, easy to read, well written and by two top professors of theology Gordon D. Fee, Gordon Fee is actually a Pentecostal theologian. He's uh, been at Regents College in Vancouver. That's an interdenominational college in Vancouver. Great. He's a great, great Bible exegete expositor. Fantastic. Um, And Douglas Stewart's more the Old Testament part of it. Okay? So if you're interested in those, help yourself. I recommend this book, Know the Truth by Bruce Milne. I was dipping into this the other day. I've, I've had this for quite a while, but I haven't read it, much of it. So I looked at the section on the scriptures. Great. So if you can get hold of a systematic theology, Milne, Grudem, there are plenty out there. They'll always have a section on the scriptures. Well worth investing a few of your hard-earned dollars to get something like that on your shelves. And you can get so much of this stuff electronically, Okay. You all good with that? You can also do what my wife does. She loves she loves op shops. I love going with her to op shops. Not but you can find an incredible range of theology and theological books on those shelves from time to time, and sometimes they're dirt cheap. I bought a full uh, New Testament commentary set Tyndale series the other day. Um, I've already got them, but I bought them because I like having two copies No, um, <laughs> But I've given it to one of my sons, so that's, I think there's 20 copies, and they've worked out at 15 cents a copy. And you'd pay... 12 bucks or something like that. So scout around and see what's out there. All right? You'd be surprised um, what's out there. Okay, that's the stuff on resources and there'll be plenty of other, other things that will, will come up from time to time, I'm certain. Okay. Let's do a bit of across the room talk. Why do you read the Bible? Why do you read the Bible? Okay, why do you read it? I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. Okay, let's keep it moving. I want to hear from God. I read the Bible because I want to hear from God. Anybody else? Direction for life. To help my mind to understand and to sort of absorb the biblical principles. Okay, so I'm repeating it back to help my mind. To understand and absorb the biblical principles. Yep, great. To get to know him, to get to know him as in God better. Yep, cool. To know his story. So sorry. To know, his story. to know his story. Yep. This is why we read the Bible. Why? Why, why do you read the Bible? To remain centered. To remain centered. Yep. To know, him make him known to, to know him and to make him known to others. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yes for me. Good one. Very good. Excellent. That's good stuff, isn't it? The more you read the Bible, the more you know God, the more likely you are to tell other people about God. So that's the that's reason. What, what, what other reasons do you have? I've, I've listed a few, but I'm not going to put mine up there until I hear a bit more from you. Because some of you are theology professors. I'll get a feeling about that. Just let the Holy Spirit work in your life. That's a interesting, isn't it? So when you open, your, open the Bible and you read it, God's there with you. Have you ever met people who say, God never speaks to me? But actually he does. Hmm? Actually he's speaking to you all the time. All the time. Day and night. Never stops. Why do I say that? Because the Bible tells me that. One of the Psalms says, day after day, night after night, God is always speaking. But the Bible is a special kind of speak, isn't it? Keep going. To you know the truth beyond my own human perspective and beyond sort of the, the that are around Isn't that good? Because in a world where truth moves all the time, you heard of postmodernity? You know what that means? What does it mean? Who can give me a sentence on post-modernity? Everything is relative. Everything is relative, that's right. So it's relative for you. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. But your truth doesn't have to tell me what I've got to believe. Mm. But you've got your truth. Mm. Yeah, so when... Sorry, remind me of your name. Oh Beth, I've got a granddaughter called Bethia, and we call her Beth so what you're telling us is so important because the Bible is the truth isn't it because Jesus is the truth it's his word and we come back to that and when people want to shift the goalposts on us as they do we say hang on I've got to go back to it and what's more it's not when people want to do that to us it's when we get shaken Hmm? have you been a bit shaken up lately with what's happening in the world? You betcha. So you come back to the truth. truth. Any other comments? That's a very good one. They're all good, by the way. Anybody else? Familiarise myself with God's word and trust that osmosis works. The osmosis principle. Familiarise myself with God's word and trust that osmosis works. I I like that. I didn't put her up to that, but that's so good because... I remember sitting as you guys are with old Jeffrey Bingham talking, talking. He said, Don't worry if you don't get it all. It'll soak in by osmosis. (laughs) And he is so right. Sometimes we want to, Oh, we've got to get everything. We've got to suck up everything. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it. And we drive ourselves a bit bananas in the process. It'll just soak in. But if you read your Bible constantly, what's soaking in? The truth and God and His and his story okay so here are a few that I've put up there why people read the Bible for their spirituality some people read it for being a devotional book a guide to life God's way of keeping me on track Whoop, I'll go back um, God speaking to me some of those sentiments have been expressed God's love letter to the human race God's revelation of the plan of salvation ooh that's interesting God's special revelation, that is God's plan to bring redemption to as a gift to the human race through His Son. Then the overarching themes in the Bible, we read it because it tells us about God, man, sin, and salvation. Sometimes Bible reading is a very confronting exercise because it actually tells me who I am and tells me who God is. And really, I think the knockout one, isn't it? The Bible or the scriptures are God's word. So when people say, God never speaks to me, so say, read the Bible. And as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, we read it. By the way, Jesus knew the scriptures. Did you know that? Okay. So over the next few weeks, we want to uh, progress ourselves a little bit on that. But there's a good lot of challenges, isn't there? Let me rip through these fairly quickly because time will elude us. Um, Some of the challenges that people come up with when you talk about reading the scriptures. It's a good read, but it's not relevant for the 21st century. Ever heard that one? Yep. Some people say, I like reading it, but don't understand it. Anybody ever felt like that? Right? Some passages are really difficult to understand, aren't they? And I find that at times, and so do you. Some people say it's a holy book, it's different from other books. Well, it is actually. Some people say they don't know how to interpret it. Some people say, oh, I hear the preachers talk and they talk about Greek and Hebrew, and it, it must take special people with a special kind of brain and ability and training to be able to understand it. Anybody ever felt like that? Don't put up your hands. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it puts it in a bit of a different place for us. But, the, but actually we have lots of really good translations and they're very, very reliable. Sure, it's written in ancient languages and it is actually, you know, you're a strange bunch of people actually. You're kind of weirdos. You're, you're telling me stuff about an old book and you're saying this book interacts with my life every day. How about that? You're amazing. Because it's God's word but it's a challenge isn't it when you come to read it Um, some people say oh the Bible is full of inconsistencies you heard those kind of arguments some people say how do I know that it's God speaking Um, and then of course one of the big challenges of reading the scriptures is that to read them means if you get convicted by them then you've got to live in in the way in which this book talks so over the next few weeks Hopefully in some sort of order, what I'd like to do is this sort of thing. Um, I want to try and help us understand the meta-narrative, the big story. I want to try and help us find out how the book came to be, 66 chapters of it all, mm? 1,189 chapters. If you want to read it through in the year, you've got to do about three chapters a day. Big, big book, isn't it? Hmm? It's not like a novel to read either, is it? But you read it like an ordinary book, yes? I hope you do. How many authors, ordinary people used by God, we want to talk about that. What do what testaments mean, new and old? What are, what are, what's all this different kind of literature that we come up with, prophetic literature, law, wisdom, gospels, parables, you break it all down. What's all this stuff mean? How do we, how do we interact with it? What do we do with it? You know, so how do we interpret a parable? We come up with cliches, for instance, about how you might do that, you know? Heavenly story with an earthly meaning or something well, earthly story with a heavenly meaning or whatever. I've got that one around the wrong way. I find cliches a bit of a hassle. But I get why they, people want to do them. want we'll also try and help us to look at reading the Bible as a devotional book. How do you do that? Every one of us in this room will do some of that already. We'll be looking for God to speak to us in a devotional way. Nothing wrong with that. But We also at times want to know how to meditate. Take a piece of scripture and get down deep with it and let it get into our soul. And then work out that there's a huge difference between meditation as our brothers and sisters in the world talk about and what we talk about. Have you ever noticed people say, I've calmed my soul, I've got into meditation. You think, yeah, you have. They probably have. But Christian meditation is not that is it. It's not emptying your mind out and say what well, whatever wants to jump in can. It's about filling your mind with God's word. Actually, to meditate is actually to chew on the word of God. Chew on it like a cow chews the cud. It's a good picture, isn't it? <laughs> I used to be a dairy farmer with 250 meditators. They come in <laughs> dribbling everywhere. Well, I want to see a few of God's people be word dribblers. Take the word in and chew it over and chew it over and chew it over till you get what God's saying to you. Okay, so I um, want to encourage us in that. Or some big terms. What does exegesis mean? And what does eisegesis mean? We'll leave that one until next time. But they're really important words because every one of us in this room does a bit of both. To exegete means to take out of the scripture. The scripture actually speaks to us. That's what it says. To eisegete means you put back into the scripture what you think it's all about. That's the easy one to do. To actually let God say in his word what he wants to say and to hear it, that's another thing altogether. So I want to talk a little bit about that. So for some of us it might just push us a little bit further because now we'll go into a little bit deeper kind of study. You with me? And not everybody's going to, to do that or use it but it could be really, really helpful. Okay, well, I reckon we've pretty much, uh, pretty much done it. There's a lot more I could say but we will not have time. Um, but there is one thing I'd like to say. We are probably all readers. However, some of us read at a different pace and in different ways to other people. We have a tacit assumption in Western culture that everybody is literate. Everybody can read and understand. But we never talk about the fact that we all do it differently, yeah? So that's okay. Some people speed read. Some people take it slowly. And when it comes to reading and understanding the Bible, that's probably the way it ought to be treated. Read as you read. And read in the ways that God speaks to you as you read. Are you good with that? Say so. What about over here? Are you good with that? All right. <laughs> I think I heard that, and that might be the cue to stand, and we'll pray and blessing you going. I said at nine o'clock and we are. OK? So let's stand. Father, thank you for one another. It's been good to be in this room together. It's exciting. The possibilities of what you want to do with us and as a church, as the three uh, congregations, the the areas that this place, this church encompasses in the hills. It's incredibly uh, exciting. We pray right now for our lives to be deepened and that you will use what you deepen to bless people inside and outside of your kingdom. So come upon us, we pray, as we were taught to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. We ask that in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you for him and we thank you for your word and we ask for your blessing on us. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Drive safely as we travel to our homes. There's going to be a song on the screen which we'll sing at the beginning of next week. Go out with it in your ears. Away we go.